Kelly and Kelly. Previously on This Sounds Serious. After discovering a copy of the film in the studio vault, I watched Grand Casino, and I can now confirm it really does exist. Uh, so I just finished the movie, but it's not pretty. They'll pay for this. They'll pay in spades. It's bad. Bartender, guava and champagne. It's so bad. It made me suspect Kirk was actually the one behind it going missing in the first place. But everyone says that wasn't the case. He didn't seem to realize he was making a bad movie. Then I got this call. Gwen, I've been listening to your podcast with great intrigue, but you are way, way off the mark. The movie that you've been chasing isn't the real story. The movie was just the front for another crime. Because the casino where they shot that movie was robbed of two million dollars. It's This Sounds Serious, Grand Casino, a CastBox original. Here's how I know I'm doing good work, Gwen. People keep trying to kill me. <laughs> I'm on the phone with Frank Reeves. He's a crime writer. I've heard of him before. He's got a bit of a reputation. People say he's a bit paranoid. Case in point, Frank Reeves isn't actually his real name. It's a pen name. I have to keep my real identity hidden. In that way, I'm kind of like Batman. Well, that and I'm scared of the Joker. Over the past 20 years, he's written a dozen books about murderers, cults, and organized crime. He's kind of a true crime legend. His work has been credited with bringing charges in at least four murder cases, including the infamous headhunter of Emeryville, California. So, when he called to tell me his theory, I listened. In early 1991, a Las Vegas casino was robbed of $2 million. Now, this casino was the same casino where Kirk Todd was shooting his movie, Grand Casino. You follow? According to Frank, this wasn't just a case of life imitating art. Remember, the plot of Grand Casino involves two thieves coming together to rob a casino. The last words my father ever said to me were, The house always wins, Dominic. The house always wins. Well, you look at me. Because tonight we're the house, baby. We're the house. So we're going to be the winning ones. The movie was just a distraction. Kirk never made that movie to win awards or sell tickets. He did it to get inside a casino vault. Everyone said that he conned a studio out of $5 million. That wasn't the case at all. He robbed a casino of two. Two million. Not just two dollars. Two million. Get this right, Gwen. What he's saying is that all the months of meetings and negotiations, writing a script, hiring a crew, auditioning actors, shooting in L.A. and moving production to Las Vegas, it was all to get inside a casino just so he could rob it. The movie was a smokescreen. It was a, a Trojan horse, a, um, a skeleton key that opened a lot of doors for Kirk. Um, I'm still trying to perfect that analogy. Uh, red herring, red herring. 
Red herring is, it, is what it was, too. Here's the thing about Frank's theory, the idea that Kirk robbed a casino while they allowed him to film in their vault. It's intriguing on its own, but after seeing the movie, his theory is even more compelling. Bear with me, I know it sounds insane, but it makes sense. You watch Grand Casino and you think, why was this movie even made? Wait, if you're not in the vault, then who is? A robbery might be the first valid reason I've heard. If you want to know more, Gwen, meet me in Las Vegas. I'm sending you a wig. And now it looks like I'm the one moving production to Las Vegas. I'm driving up Interstate 15. It was cheaper to rent a car than to book a flight, and honestly, I've always wanted to make this drive. Sunglasses on, my hair tied up in a scarf. I'm heading through the Mojave Desert when I get a text from Frank Reeves. Meet him at the Pinnacle Casino at 5 o'clock. Okay, so we've just entered the halls of the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle is the Las Vegas location where they shot many of the scenes in Grand Casino. Although, I should say it was the location. It's still there, but as I arrive, I see the pinnacle of today looks nothing like it did during the early 90s when it served as the backdrop for Kirk Todd's directorial debut. It had a complete facelift around the year 2000, when so much of Las Vegas was bought up by multinational corporations. Gone are the smoke-stained red carpets and elaborate chandeliers, replaced by sleek marble and a ceiling that is made to look like it's always high noon, even in the middle of the night. Welcome to the Pinnacle. How are you? When I check in, there's a package for me at the front desk. It's filled with a wig and other disguises, and Frank had left me a voicemail with some very specific instructions. Hi, Gwen. Welcome to Sin City. I sent you a wig and some glasses. Now, when you check into the hotel, do not use your real name. And most importantly, do not mention my name. I have a lot of enemies in this city. Call me Dennis. I realize this is ridiculous and totally paranoid behavior on Frank's part. Nobody knows who I am here. It's overkill, but I go along with it. I go to my room and change. When I head to the lobby, I'm suddenly a bookish redhead. I suddenly realize I have no idea who I'm looking for. And even if I did, he'll be wearing a disguise too. And that's when it dawns on me that no one knows where I am right now. I didn't tell my producer, Dave. I didn't tell anyone. A man left me a message, and I crossed state lines to meet him. This could be bad news. And that's when I feel a hand on my arm. Come, come with me. It's Frank Reeves. He's dressed in khaki cargo pants and a white polo shirt. It's not what I would call a disguise, but then again, I had no idea who I was looking for. It's true what people say. It's like he's from a different time. He seems paranoid and cautious. Now, you're sure that nobody uh, followed you, right? Yes, I'm sure. He's acting like we're spies, but we're not doing anything illegal. He leads me onto the casino floor and warns me that this could be a dangerous meeting. I'm going to lay out some pretty heavy stuff. And I could be putting yourself in danger. I could be putting me in danger. These are some serious people, Gwen. He starts talking to me about casino robberies. Apparently, they're more common than you'd think, but they're rarely reported to the police. Casinos don't want that kind of publicity, so they handle any robberies themselves. In 1991, the Pinnacle was in very rough shape. 
You know, the writing was on the wall. The big money was moving in and the family businesses, they were being squeezed out. You, you know what I mean when I say uh, family business. Yeah. Right. Family business, right. Mafia. Ah, yes. Ah, that's the term. Right. Frank tells me that during shooting, Kirk made a deal with Pinnacle Casino. He convinced them to shut down for three days to let him shoot on location. And three days is a big deal. That's three days the casino wouldn't be making any money. And in a casino, that means millions of dollars. But Kirk talked them into it. In exchange, Pinnacle Casino would be featured prominently in the movie. Grand Casino was basically going to be a commercial for the Pinnacle. You see that guy over there? Frank pulls me aside and motions to a muscular man in a tuxedo, a security guard. What do you think he does? Uh, he's security. Oh, you don't think he's an actor? He tells me that the scene in the movie where the characters pull the heist was shot in the actual casino vault. And instead of hiring actors and extras for that scene, Kirk hired real casino workers to appear in the movie. It was genius. They were all so excited to be in this big Hollywood heist movie that no one even noticed when Kirk pulled off the oldest trick in the book. The simple but elegant bait and switch. He says that the crew had filled a duffel bag with prop money, and somewhere during those three days of shooting, Kirk swapped it out for real money and walked out with $2 million. I wondered if anyone from the crew could confirm Frank's story. We were definitely using fake money. And fake actors, come to think of it. That's Danny Jackson, the cinematographer of Grand Casino. I mean, the casino workers who were hired to act were just, you know, really, really, really... They were just so very bad. She's right about that. This is a scene that took place between Vincent Carlyle and one of the real casino security guards. Hey, you, hand me that bag of money or I'll shoot you. But I made a sacred vow to protect this money so it can be placed in the slot machines of this fine casino, which pay out regularly. And it does feel like a bit of a commercial for the Pinnacle Casino. What if I said I'd kill you? I would die knowing the casino patrons had a lucky night. Well, it's not your lucky night, Buster. Watching the movie, one thing strikes me about Frank's theory. Swapping a bag of fake money with a bag of real money is certainly a possibility, especially when there are multiple bags in play. In some wide shots, there are eight or nine identical duffel bags in the vault. All right, I'll hand you the bag of money. No, not that bag. The other bag. There's two bags? It's very possible the casino staff could have lost track of which money was real and which was fake. These security guards and workers were so focused on their acting, they'd gone method. They didn't even notice the switch happening. But remember, money was so easy to counterfeit back then. It wasn't polymer with security features and holograms. It was just cotton, linen, paper money. Frank says that the casino didn't realize the money had been swapped. And pretty soon, the counterfeit bills made their way onto the casino floor. The Pinnacle didn't even notice they were paying out in fake bills until Kirk was long gone. Living the easy life in his Mazda Miata. If this is true, and it went down the way Frank says it did, then it explains a lot. First of all, it explains why the movie was so bad. It didn't have to be good. It was just the device Kirk needed to get into a casino vault. In fact, it's exactly the kind of thing Kirk talked about in his con man handbook recordings. 
get the mark to focus on the wrong thing. And then when they're distracted, you close in on the loot. It's called misdirection. Like when you get a baby to look at your shiny keys so you can swipe that baby's rattle. It's just as easy as stealing a baby's rattle from a baby. Misdirection. Get everyone focused on making a movie and nobody will notice the robbery you're pulling off. But the thing that doesn't add up to me is I've spoken to some of Kirk's crew, people who were there with him while he was making Grand Casino, and they all say he was completely absorbed in making the movie. He was laser-focused. Kirk was, he was so driven by the excitement of making a movie, he didn't notice anything around him. Kirk did not know how bad it was. He loved this movie. So are they lying? Or did Kirk manage to fool every one of them? He's a con man. He's a swindler. That's who Kirk Todd is. In exploring Frank's theory, it makes me reflect on where this all began weeks and months ago. Isabel Broussard, one of the stars of the movie, called me to tell me about Grand Casino, a movie that didn't exist, an elaborate con that's tormented her for nearly 30 years and put a movie studio out of business. But then the story changed. The movie does exist, but it was hidden away. And now the story's changed again. The movie was a cover for another crime. So then who buried the movie? Was it Greystone Pictures who would have been humiliated at the time? Or did Kirk bury it after all? Not because it was bad, but because maybe, hidden somewhere in those reels, there's some evidence of him robbing the casino. I have no idea. Maybe there was an accomplice. Maybe he was working with someone else. A studio wanted to bury it. Now, I wish you the best of luck with your uh, podcast, but uh, I'm afraid I have to go. I actually scored a ticket to Chris Angel Mind Freak. Very excited to see if it holds up to the TV show. Coming up after the break, how did the authorities learn about the casino robbery? We actually learned about this casino heist from a bunch of 11-year-old boys. The answer involves a bunch of kids in video arcades. The movie was just the front for another crime. Because the casino where they shot that movie was robbed of two million dollars. Frank Reeves thinks that Kirk made Grand Casino as a front to rob the Pinnacle. But he also says the Pinnacle would have never called the police. So how did word get out about the robbery? We actually learned about this casino heist from a bunch of 11-year-old boys. That's Agent Bruce Warren of the FBI. The FBI had received a bunch of uh, complaints from little kids. They were upset that they couldn't get any coins out of the change machines at their local video arcades. If you're too young to remember, there was a time when video games weren't everywhere. You couldn't download them onto your phone. You didn't see a gaming console in every family's living room. So kids went to video arcades. Rooms full of machines that cost 25 cents each to play. And if you didn't have any coins on you, just put a dollar bill in a change machine and it would spit out quarters. What does that have to do with a casino heist? Well, when the Pinnacle Casino was robbed, $2 million of counterfeit money was put into circulation. And for a while, nobody noticed. Until that money made its way to video arcades. But those machines don't take counterfeit bills. Those kids were pretty upset that their bills didn't work. 
They couldn't get any change to play Street Fighter 2 or Lethal Enforcers. I'd be upset too. And back then, in between games, when the machines weren't being played, their screens showed the same public service message. Winners don't use drugs. Along with the FBI seal. And that's how they knew to call the FBI. Smart kids. Dozens of children in arcades from California to Minnesota called the FBI to complain about their faulty bills. Using our resources, we were able to trace that counterfeit money right back to the Pinnacle Casino in Las Vegas. The FBI investigated the heist, but concluded their investigations without laying charges because... Ultimately, the casino failed to cooperate with the investigation. And when I pressed Agent Warren for more details, he blew me off. I am unable to comment on the case in question. If you wish to pursue the matter, please inquire through the appropriate channel. So if the counterfeit money entered the economy, where did the real money go? Well, I can tell you a bit about that. This is Bjorn Klisp, our contact at Interpol. A couple of weeks after the date in question, a person of interest entered France carrying a large amount of American money, over 500,000 of your dollars in cash in a duffel bag, or as we call it, a vugel sack. Was it from a casino robbery? I cannot confirm or deny this. They were detained, investigated, and ultimately released. Their identity has never been made public. Could this person have been working with Kirk? Could this be his accomplice? Unfortunately, Agent Clisp isn't much help. I am unable to comment on the case in question. If you wish to pursue the matter, please inquire through the appropriate channels. I cannot perform this task for you. I cannot perform at all. I am not Paul Banks, the lead singer of the band Interpol. The fact is, whoever it was carrying that money into France may not be related to this at all. There's a chance this person legally declared that money and was just questioned as part of a routine procedure. I just don't know. So, I've made requests for information from both the FBI and Interpol, but I don't expect I'll hear much. However, if the authorities can't confirm what happened in that casino, I know someone else who might be able to. Kirk Todd. This is Kirk Todd's secretary. Kirk Todd is in the meeting right now. Can I take a message for him? Ah, I'm just kidding, Gwen. How are you doing? Hey, hi, Kirk. Um, This is the first time I've spoken to Kirk after screening Grand Casino, and understandably, it's all he wants to talk about. I have good news. I found the movie. Oh, my God. Yes. I knew it. I knew you would. Oh, my God, Gwen, this is huge. I, I, I told you that it would be there. Yeah. But I have other things on my mind. So after some pleasantries about the film. A, oh, my God, Gwen, this is amazing. <laughs> did, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. I get to the real point of my call. So uh, there's just one. I wanted to talk to you about the robbery at the Pinnacle Casino. I wait for him to speak. He hesitates. And in that moment, he knows that I know. I know he stole $2 million from a Las Vegas casino. I know the movie was a smokescreen to get him into that casino vault. I know someone buried the movie to hide the evidence. You want to talk about that particular scene? All right, sure. Yeah, all right. The robbery. No, Good scene. No, no, Kirk, not the scene. I, I want to talk about the robbery itself that happened at the Pinnacle during the shoot. Uh, or maybe I'm wrong, and he doesn't know anything about the casino robbery. Gwen, it's been, uh, you know, 
28 years. I, I don't remember everything about the shoot. Uh, or maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's playing dumb and maybe he's 10 steps ahead of me. But he doesn't admit anything. But I, I, I don't know. I would have remembered that. I go into the details of the crime. Closing the casino, the employees acting in the movie, the duffel bag full of fake cash. And he confirms all of that. Of course the money in the vault was fake when it was the movie. And I, and I used the real security guards because I thought it would be more believable. As we talk about the details, he admits to every part of the crime, except the crime itself. He won't admit the entire casino shoot was just misdirection. Misdirection? Ooh, ouch. Is that a zinger? I mean, I was the director, and you're saying that I used misdirection? Okay, wow. If you didn't like the movie, okay, that's fine, but ooh, wow. I tell him about the counterfeit money, the arcade machines, the person of interest entering Europe. And what about the accomplice? Who carried the money away while Kirk had everyone focused on making a movie? Look, Glenn, I'm not saying it didn't happen. But if it did, it happened without me being involved, without me even noticing. And I got to tell you, that's pretty impressive. Kirk won't budge on the heist. He won't admit to anything. It's frustrating. I've been telling his story and visiting him, calling him, really connecting with him. And I feel like he owes me the truth. But it isn't long before I realize he is telling the truth. See, I don't have his gifts. I can't read people the way he does. I don't look at Kirk and know what's going through his head. All I have are my instincts and his track record, which has actually been pretty honest. Sure, he's been a liar his whole life, but he hasn't lied to me. He admitted to all of his crimes from childhood through to his 30s. I'll tell you that those, those hippies were dumb. And so I was telling people that I was part of the Belgian royal family. But he refused to admit that Grand Casino was a con. I made that movie, Gwen. And it turns out it wasn't. He told the truth then, and he's telling the truth now. Someone robbed the casino, but Kirk had nothing to do with it. I've been too hard on him. He's the victim in all this. He was set up, he lost everything he worked for, and he went to prison for 25 years. All things considered, he's actually taking it remarkably well. At this point, nothing can bring me down. I'm getting out in a couple of weeks. Of course. His sentence for the Arizona crimes is almost up. And now that we've got uh, Grand Casino back, we can finally give it the premiere that it deserves. But here's the reason I know Kirk is telling the truth. It's because of Isabel, the star of Grand Casino. Remember, this case started when she called me. She's the actress from France that Kirk discovered. He tells me I am perfect for this movie he's making. He wants to take me to Hollywood. She had a terrible screen test. Don't go anywhere. This is a gun. Stop looking at the camera. She was the star of the movie. But you told me the dice were loaded. Yes, but they were loaded in my favor. (laughs) Without her, I wouldn't have heard the 911 call. I wouldn't have dug into Grand Casino. I wouldn't have uncovered the movie. And I wouldn't have learned about the heist. And lately, I've been trying to get in touch with her, but I haven't had any luck. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. 
If you feel you have reached this recording in error, Oh man, this premiere is gonna be wild. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Do you think Isabella will be there? Uh when? Isabel died in a car crash twenty years ago. Next time on the finale of this Sam Sirius. Isabella's dead, and I know who set this whole case in motion. Mm-hmm.